Hi everyone. This is Amit Ray with Money Talk, the show where we discuss how to make, save and grow your money. Welcome back. Let me also upfront apologize for the terrible accent I'm going to use later in this episode. So sorry about that. Today we are going to talk about the basics of the stock market. How are stocks priced? Why do they go up or down? And how does the stock market work? And to make it interesting, we're going to use an example of a fictitious company that uh, is set up between me and my son. It's called Fidget Spinners International and it sells, you guessed it, fidget spinners. So stick around, it's going to be fun. Okay, so you've grown to ripe old adulthood and your friends are all ballers in the stock market, but you still don't know the first thing about how it works. Don't worry, you're not alone. Take a seat. In a few minutes, you're going to be expert in the topic. But first, fidget spinners. So you know, several years back, um, it was the height of the fidget spinner craze in Singapore. And kids at my son's school were buying up like literally dozens of them. And frankly, for reasons that no adult could uh, really figure out. And so every household had this ongoing conversation. Dad, can I have a few bucks? I want to buy fidget spinners. And ours was no exception. And my son managed to steadily gather this pretty gigantic collection of brightly colored fidget spinners that seemed to serve really no other purpose other than to give me the fidgets and to make my head spin. So anyway, on his uh, nth attempt to touch me up for some cash, I really refused. I, I really wanted to put my foot down and it simply wasn't working for me to see my money going down the drain. And not only were all these pieces of junk cluttering up the house, they were like 10 bucks each. That's a lot, especially when uh, the kid wants to buy like dozens of them all the time. But you know, my son is uh, quite a hustler. In fact, I'm quite kind of proud of him for, for being like that. So his uh, fidget spinning empire was at risk. And uh, he went away, thought about it for some time and came back in like half an hour to inform me that we could buy the spinners at the low, low price of just $3 each if we ordered a 12-pack from the US. Okay, so instead of 10 bucks, you now want me to pay like 36 bucks? Seriously, man, what's wrong with you? These kids, I tell you, no value for hard-earned money. No, dad, you don't have to pay anything at all. Just lend me the 36 bucks. And I was like, yeah, sure, nice try. No, no, hang on. You don't understand. Kids are crazy for these spinners. They all buy like for $10, $12 each. I'll keep just one of them. I can sell the other 11 to my friends. Uh, and I can probably sell them for like 8 bucks each. It's a good deal for them. And we'll actually make a profit. Whoa. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So you're saying you'll make 88 bucks on a $36 investment? So that's like $52 profit? And he's like, yeah, all I need is for you to buy the 12-pack. I was actually pretty impressed with this thought process. So we did put in the money. And in fact, he did manage to actually sell some of these fidget spinners to his friends. The only problem was it was pretty much the tail end of the craze uh, out here 
and the kids in our area had moved on to other things so we sold really only a few um and but we did actually break even even though we didn't make a profit we were able to break even and uh, i thought actually that's a pretty cool idea so you're probably thinking to yourself yeah i'm sure you know amit you're very proud of your son etc etc but what does this horribly long story have to do with the stock market and why on earth are you boring me with it well actually it has a lot to do with it so imagine things had turned out differently let's imagine this venture had succeeded and we fast forward a few years uh and so i've quit my job and i'm the cfo the the chief financial officer of b spinners international the world's largest fidget spinner manufacturer hey boss i tell my kid as i walk into our weekly one on one yeah yeah it's 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 that kind of thing i'm i'm reporting to my kid and we are in our weekly one on one so boss we just made 50 million dollars in revenue and 5 million dollars in profits and he's like yeah cool and he's like i guess he's dabbing or flossing or i don't know twitching or, or whatever it is the kids are doing at that time and i'm like hold on hold on our finances are great i think it's time to ipo and he stops and he's like what's ipo ipo initial public offering what's that we need to list ourselves as a public company so you know you and i get rich what about mom why mom didn't i give you the capital to set up the company yes but uh, she put me to bed every night while you watch tv okay fine she can have a couple of shares what are shares god this is going to be a long one on one okay so let's begin with the basics what is a stock right now b my son and i own the entire company b owns 60% because uh, you know he's the brains of the operation and frankly a good negotiator while of course my seed investment trumped my wife's uh, you know unconditional love or something leaving me with the other 40% because capitalism so this ownership means we essentially the two of us make all the decisions and have control over all the profits that the company makes we can use the profits to reinvest in the business maybe by increasing fidget spinner inventory if we think we can sell a lot or we can just take the cash and pay it out as higher salary and bonuses for ourselves and for our workers that amount of control is great and it's uh, frankly it's enough for most businesses but you know what we've just spotted a new trend building uh, pebble painting and it's going to be huge B is confident that these DIY pebbles will overshadow fidget spinners in maybe a matter of months and we need to quickly pivot in that direction and for that we need to completely you know change our machinery our supply chains it's a lot of work unfortunately all of that takes a lot of money and our business simply does not generate enough i mean of course it makes a lot of money but it gen- doesn't generate enough for us to be able to fund all of this internally so we need a large uh, you know like a new source of funds and frankly in a, you know our salary is great and and all of that but most of our net worth is tied up in the business 
and it actually would be nice to be able to cash out some of that as well so the best way to do that is actually by offering the public to buy shares in our company so we can use this new source of funding so when the public buys shares we actually get more money and we can use this new source of funds for expansion and by doing that we also create a market for our own shares so we can actually sell a little bit to make some money for ourselves as well so this is called an ipo an initial public offering of shares of a company that was private till the time that it does its ipo and of course uh, at the time of the ipo there's a certain price that is set for the shares of the company and that's what the public is going to pay and once this happens this company has you know gone public and so therefore you know like large institutions like mutual funds and even ordinary members of the public like you and me uh, and maybe my wife because she doesn't have any shares will become shareholders by buying shares and they'll join me and and myself as shareholders of the company so simply speaking this ownership of a share grants you a share in the profits of the business which is proportional to the level of your shareholding okay so now that you understand what is a share of a company and how does it actually become accessible uh, to the public to be able to buy let's look at how we actually set the price of a share before the ipo before frankly the business turned a profit before everything else right at the time of incorporating spinners international b and i had to set up our shareholding structure this is when we first started right so when we incorporated the business we had to actually issue an arbitrary number of shares and split that between ourselves and because b owns 60% of the company and i own 40% that split has to be 60-40 between the two of us so let's say i had put in 100000 of seed capital uh, so in in this fantasy a $100000 investment in fidget spinners is perfectly rational so don't judge me on this one uh, so anyway so we had uh, invested $100000 and we had set it up as 100000 shares which are worth which were worth $1 each at the time when we started the company and because it was a 60 40 split b owned 60000 shares and i owned 40000 shares this $1 price of the share is called the face value of the share which is the price of the share at the time of incorporation to you as a regular investor in the stock market it doesn't really mean very much but this is how the price of the share first gets set now let's assume the business has a strong track record which it does because apparently we're making 50 million dollars in revenue and 5 million in profits so the 1 dollar price per share if that is the price that we offered to the public would really be underballing the real worth of this business so our accountants tell us that a better way of valuing each share is to look at the net assets of the company and then dividing that by the 100000 shares that we have so net assets essentially are the total assets of the company which would be uh, things that the company owns like for example the the cost of the machinery the inventory that we have sitting in warehouses 
the cash that's in the bank and so on so it's the total assets minus the total liabilities which is essentially everything that the company owes to other people particularly loans that we may have taken from banks uh, or, or things like that so therefore when you take the total assets minus the total liabilities you're left with net assets and if you take that amount that dollar amount and divide it by the 100000 shares uh, then you get what is called the book value of the company and that's the price at which an accountant would value the company so let's say for example our net assets which is our total assets minus our total liabilities is around 5 million dollars and so therefore um, it, this is the value of the company on the books and so the book value of each share is 5 million dollars divided by the 100000 shares that we have in total which makes the book value of each share 50 dollars and that would be the accountant's definition of what the price of each share uh, should be wow my kid says wow we can sell our shares for 50 dollars each we're rich not so quick butted in this voice at the other corner of the room and uh, b and i turned around like who's this person well i am your investment banker if you want to ipo then you need me to take you to market um okay so so what do you have to say well if you sell shares just on book value you're essentially saying that the value of the business is just in the factory and the inventory not in the future growth potential of the business in other words your business is nothing more than the sum of its parts um isn't it no damn it he slammed the table like this uh, wolf of wall street guy your business is a growth enterprise it needs to be valued on potential not sold off for parts like some sort of junkyard scrap well then then how else would we value it as a multiple of revenue my friend hang on do you by any chance make a a profit yes of course we have profits lots of it 5 million dollars don it if you were like we work we could have put you in at 10 20 times revenue you'd have been worth billions now as it stands we have to value you on profits you're just worth maybe a few tens of millions b gave me a really dirty look how could you have been so foolish why on earth were we making profits you should have taken losses early on when we had a chance and i was like i looked at my shoes i i didn't know what to say well anyway never mind he continued uh, you know sort of cheered up a bit a few tens of millions is something after all and maybe you can make an app or something before we ipo that should do it but hang on even then that means you're valuing our stock at anywhere up to a thousand dollars per share that's a lot more than book value how does that work well i'm applying a multiple to your profits you said your profits are five million and how fast on average would you say you're growing year on year maybe around 20 25 percent okay 
and you're in the manufacturing industry old school so i'd say your valuation should be in the range of 15 to 20 times your profits in other words your business is worth about 5 million into 15 to 20 times so that's 75 to 100 million dollars probably more towards the 75 million i would say wow that makes each share worth 750 dollars b was ecstatic he was bouncing off the walls well yes but we'd have to issue new shares so the public can actually buy some i think we should capitalize on the hot ipo market and sell off one third of the company right now that means we need to issue 50000 new shares which will bring the total number of shares to 150000 at a valuation of 75 million each share will be worth about $500 $500 that's a lot of money and so you know we shook hands with the investment banker and we started preparing for ipo and the next few months were a blur i mean there's audits and paperwork and road shows with all kinds of uh, institutions and there's like just a lot of stuff that goes on uh, i'll i'll spare you the details so so let's just fast forward to to the day of the ipo and uh, we are standing at uh, the new york stock exchange and uh, you know trading begins with the with the ringing of the you know the traditional ringing of the bell and we go 10 9 8 and we, we you know we count down to the start of trading everyone's there b is there i'm there the accountant is there the investment banker is there even my wife is there uh, although she's kind of sulking at uh, not being allotted shares um, but you know we told her about this uh, unconditional love thing that that she's got going on uh, and so you know can't, can't exactly unconditional love if it's conditional on getting shares and you know you get what i'm saying so anyway so so she's there um and in keeping with our uh, banker's advice we actually decided not to have 150000 shares at $500 each because frankly the average person can't afford that much so we figured it would be better to issue 1.5 million shares so that the price of each share becomes $50 so so in fact we uh, IPO'd with a public friendly stock price of $50 a share uh, for a total of 1.5 million shares of which we uh, you know b and i uh, owned 1 million of them and we put up 500000 of them for sale so this way we maintained two thirds uh, ownership of the company and one third was being sold in the open market so anyway we we are counting down and it goes 5 4 3 2 1 and then you know, trading starts and and there it is spin which is our ticker symbol for for this fantasy company uh, and no don't don't look up spin there actually is a company which whose ticker symbol is spin i'm definitely not talking about that company i'm talking about spinners international our fantasy company that that uh, really exists only in this in this episode so so spin is live and the ticker says $55 that's the opening price and we are all like yeah $55 and we are super excited 57 yeah 52 oh 
the the price is up the ipo has popped this is a huge success and and you know all of that so everybody shaking hands and we are congratulating ourselves but you know what uh, mr banker you said the stock was worth 50 dollars uh, you know my my kid asks because obviously that's the price that we had figured out uh, long back so why is it jumping all over the place why aren't people just paying 50 dollars and and that's it well my boy this is where business fundamentals meet market sentiment and the result is never predictable at least not in the short run and that is the lesson that we are here to learn so let's look at what are the factors that affect the stock price so we've discovered so far the different objective measures of stock price we talked about face value which is the value of the share that's based on the initial capital that was put into the business we talked about the book value which is based on the net assets of the company um, and we also talked about uh, pricing the company as a multiple of its profits based on its growth rate based on the industry that it's in so for, of of all of these things for most stock investments uh, for you as a as a regular investor in the stock market only the third one which is the price to earnings multiple which is uh, you know the the valuation based on the profits of the company is is uh, one of the key metrics that you're going to track the face value and to uh, face value is not really something that you're ever going to look at book value yes you should look at it uh, but it's only useful in certain situations uh, and so therefore uh, multiple of earnings is the one that Uh, i would say is the is the key way to to value a stock but there are actually many other ways to judge the price of a stock and a good investor uses a number of methods to try and assess what should be the right price within quotes and i and i say this within quotes because uh, there is no really right price it's the 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 price of the company is what you're willing to pay for it although there are some ways in in which you can estimate that price So let's look at uh, some of the ways in which uh, you can price a stock. So the first way the first broad category of pricing is pricing based on fundamentals which means something that is inherent to the financials of the company. And the first uh, fundamental method of valuation is the price to earnings ratio. It's it shows up as the PE ratio uh, which is what we've actually talked about a little bit already. So in this method we calculate the profits uh, also called the earnings per share per share okay not the total profits of the company but the profits per share and then multiply them by a benchmark price to earnings ratio also called PE ratio and this benchmark ratio is based on the historical growth rate of the company and typical PE ratios for other public companies that are in the same sector or that are comparable in some manner so let me give you an example let's take the case of fidget spinners international 
So starting from the basics, $5 million of profits divided by 100,000 shares was $50 per share of profit. But then we decided that we would actually issue 1.5 million shares. And so therefore, the profit per share would actually be more like $3.33 per share. Now, if we want to look at how do we value this share based on price to earnings ratio, then we need to take, uh, we need to estimate the price to earnings ratio to apply to Fidget Spinners International. And this can be done using two methods. The first method is to look at the historical growth rate of Fidget Spinners International. So we know that it grows 20 to 25% year on year. Now the rule of thumb is whatever is the percent growth rate is the number that you use as the PE ratio. So therefore, if it grows 20 to 25%, the PE ratio should be 20 to 25. So that's method one to estimate the PE ratio. The second way of estimating the PE ratio is to look at similar companies that are like Fidget Spinners International. So we could, for example, look at other toy makers that may be publicly listed. Or we could look at large uh, export-oriented firms because Fidget Spinners is uh, you know, a, a large exporter. So let's say we look at all of that and find that you know, toy makers in general tend to have a PE ratio of 15. So in which case, we should set the PE ratio for Fidget Spinners International as 15. Now, the growth rate-based method gave us a range of 20 to 25. The comparable uh, sector method gave us a, you know, a value of 15. So maybe we agree on a PE ratio of 20, uh, you know, uh, using both of the, blending both of these methods. So therefore, a PE ratio of 20 multiplied by the profit per share of $3.33 gives us a stock price of 65, uh, 60, you know, $66, $67. So maybe that is the price that we should be willing to pay for this share, not the $50 per share that was originally proposed uh, for the IPO. And frankly, maybe that is why when the stock listed, the price started going up and actually ended up uh, you know, being more in the late 50s range rather than being at 50. So therefore, in a nutshell, the first way of pricing shares is using the price to earnings ratio and using that method, Fidget Spinners International would be valued at around $65 per share. The second way of valuing companies using their financials, which is, uh, you know, uh, what we called fundamental uh, analysis, pricing based on fundamentals. The second way is to use its book value. Now, we know from before that the book value uh, of the company or the, rather the net assets of the company uh, is around $5 million. Now, if you divide that by the 1.5 million shares that are out there right now, you again get a book value per share of around uh, $3.33. Now you need to multiply this price by the price to book value ratio. This is similar to the price to earnings ratio, except that it's a multiple on the book value per share. So again, you look at comparable companies like other toy manufacturers, and you might find that their price to book value ratio is, let's say 10. So therefore, 
if your book value per share is three dollars thirty-three cents and you multiply by ten, you get a stock price of only thirty-three dollars, which is much lower than the sixty-five dollars that you came up with using the price-to-earnings ratio. And this is perfectly fine. You might be a more conservative investor, and so therefore you choose to value companies based on their assets, not on their growth prospects. And so therefore you adopt the price-to-book value. Uh, method of valuation and you say that you will not pay anything more than $33 a share for fidget spinners international another way of valuing a company based on its fundamentals is something that's called the dividend yield method now there are several companies that on a quarterly or an annual basis give some money back to their shareholders so uh, so let's say fidget spinners international makes uh, 5 million dollars in profits which is 3 dollars 33 cents per share in profits it might decide that uh, it wants to either reward shareholders or you know it doesn't really have a better use for the money and so therefore it chooses to give 33 cents per share back to shareholders in the form of a dividend so a dividend is just cash that the company is giving you based on the number of shares that you own so now you have another way of valuing the company this time using the dividend money that you are getting so you decide what's the kind of uh, you know percent return you want from an investment in this company so let's say you feel like uh, fidget spinners international is a risky venture and it's definitely more risky than keeping money in the bank let's say So let's say your bank is giving you two percent interest on your money. So therefore, Fidget Spinners International needs to return to you maybe ten percent in order for uh, you know it it to be worth uh, you taking the risk of putting in money into Fidget Spinners International because of course you know the stock price could go down and you could lose your money. So therefore, if Fidget Spinners International is giving you thirty three cents uh, per per share. then you might decide that you only want to buy the share if it is priced at $3.30 per share because that's the only way in which you are going to get 10% return on the um, uh, on the money that you have invested into fidget spinners international and sure that's super low um, and in which case you would maybe never buy shares of of this company because it's not the kind of uh, high dividend yield stock that uh, you're looking for and that's perfectly fine as well uh, and generally speaking if a company is a growth company so it's looking to invest it's looking to expand um, generally those kinds of companies don't really give you high dividends so take for example most uh, tech sector stocks like facebook or or apple these companies don't really give you a dividend because they want to take all their profits and reinvest them into growing their business and so therefore if you are a uh, you are the kind of investor that uh, invests based on dividend yield you really shouldn't and wouldn't be buying shares of these kinds of companies and therefore you will also not be buying shares of fidget spinners international on the other hand if you were happy with a 1% dividend yield or you didn't really care what the dividend yield was but let's say it's 1% then 33 cents dividend means you can pay 33 dollars for that share which puts you roughly at par with the with the person who's investing based on price to book value 
And the cool thing is that there's nothing saying you need to adopt one or the other of these approaches. You can blend them all together. So the PE ratio approach gave you a value of $65 a share. The book value approach gave you $33 a share and the dividend yield approach also gave you $33 a share. Now it's your choice how you decide to use all of this information in order to pick a, a, a price that you're willing to pay for for a share of fidget spinners international you might choose to take the average of these three you might choose to take the minimum of these three uh, these three uh, options you might decide to weight one of the options more than the other that's entirely your call but broadly speaking the share price using these analysis would fall somewhere in the range of 33 to 65 dollars and you decide or you get to choose what's the price that you're comfortable uh, to pay for this share and there are frankly many other ways to value a uh, share price as well using fundamental analysis one of the big ones that we didn't discuss because it's a bit complicated to get into uh, in this episode is uh, the, the discounted cash flow method which looks at uh, what's the future earnings of this company and tries to assess the present value of of all those future earnings in order to figure out the the price per share and maybe that's the topic of a different uh, episode but for now these three methods price to earnings ratio price to book value and dividend yield um, are actually three pretty tried and tested methods and relatively easy for somebody new to the stock market to adopt and to use in your day to day investing now with that said Uh, let's look at other factors that influence stock price so this is no longer about calculating the stock price this is more about what makes stock price go up or down beyond the fundamentals of the stock because look the fundamentals of a stock don't really change on a hour to hour day to day basis right they change on a quarter to quarter basis or a year on year basis whenever it is that the company reports its its latest financials but as you know the stock price changes you know in seconds in minutes and so on so what are the other factors that could be making stock price go up and down so the short term value uh, or rather the short term price of a share is almost always driven by factors other than fundamentals and there are three factors that uh, i'd like to discuss uh, in today's episode so the first one is sentiment or or what sometimes is called momentum so at particular times or or maybe for particular stocks prices move due to short term market sentiment so for example tesla stock swings wildly from from day to day just based on news or frankly even from based on tweets by elon musk or or by other people there's obviously no major change from one day to another day in the core business but the prices of tesla's shares are often divorced from that reality so you'll see it go from 300 to 800 to 500 to 1000 in in a matter of days and weeks and that's because the the uh, tesla shares are heavily sentiment driven the second factor that influences uh, you know real time stock prices is liquidity or in other words the total amount of money that there is flowing into the market especially right now when governments are pumping in vast amounts of money into the economy there is an excess uh, amount of cash in the system 
Sure. I mean, this cash is uh, supposed to be put into various uh, elements of the economy, right? It's supposed to keep businesses open uh, through small business loans. Uh, it's supposed to be put into the hands of uh, of people through you know various uh, cash transfer sort of schemes uh, and to maybe help newly unemployed people pay for their daily needs. But in reality, a lot of it ends up with large businesses somehow. um and then uh, or 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 with banks and then these businesses or banks would rather keep the money frankly as a buffer against their own future uncertainty than give it out to their workers or to the or to the economy at large and that's an unfortunate reality of of the capitalistic system in which we operate but they can't take all of this money and just keep it in the bank because they're not going to make uh, you know much return out of that and so therefore because they need to earn or want to earn a return on these excess funds these uh, entities often end up channeling this money in one way or another into the stock market which responds like frankly any other market when excess money uh, starts coming in so whenever there is too much money chasing too few goods um only one thing can happen which is that prices go up so that same thing happens in the stock market as well when excess money starts chasing you know a finite number of of uh, stocks and particularly a very small number of quality stocks that people believe will you know stand the test of time or at least stand the test of covid uh, those stocks tend to go up very very rapidly and we're seeing this today like all around us so stocks like apple have soared Uh, reaching two trillion dollars in valuation, like like a trillion dollar valuation for Apple was like supposed to be a milestone achievement just a few months back, and Apple has already not just crossed it; it's actually hit two trillion dollars. And so, therefore, stocks of uh, companies that people feel confident about, like Apple or Facebook or uh, or or stocks that people feel are uh particularly hot in the covid environment like zoom uh are soaring and they're doing extremely well and that's because there's a ton of money flowing into the market and they're flowing into these stocks disproportionately versus others and frankly there's a lot of craziness happening as well so there are companies that are bankrupt like for example hertz uh which has actually seen its stock price go up as well at least for some time and that was because of the money chasing just opportunities in the market so all of this is happening because of excess liquidity in the market and liquidity is a huge driver of stock prices on the other hand you'll find that if something um, unusual happens and let's say people believe that gold is the new place to put money or maybe bitcoin is the new place to put money all this money will come out of the stock market and start flowing into gold and cryptocurrency and you'll find all these stocks that were soaring will suddenly start plummeting to the ground while bitcoin starts going up and becoming 2x 3x of its value uh, and that's what liquidity can do to markets not just the stock market in such situations even if you are a fundamentals driven investor it is wise to try and stay on the side of liquidity so rather than trying to fight the billions and trillions of dollars that are flowing into the market it's better to try and 
operate with that money and try to pick hopefully fundamentally sound stocks that are also going to benefit from uh, the cascade of money flowing in so if you can do that you'll actually achieve a lot of success especially in the environment that we are in right now the third factor that influences day to day minute to minute prices of stocks is the presence of alternatives so like i touched upon earlier one factor that keeps stock prices in check or at least tends to you know have a gravity like effect bringing it down is the presence of other hopefully better valued investment alternatives that can absorb excess funds when investors decide that stock prices are too high so these include you know the usual suspects like bonds gold oil property uh, you know things like that uh, you know the traditional alternatives to stock market investing but there are actually other esoteric investments as well like uh, i talked about cryptocurrency like bitcoin but there are even more you know unusual things that uh, that actually do have markets and and actually traded markets such as fine wine or or fine art of course these markets are not as liquid as the stock market where you know you can easily buy or sell but there actually are uh, places where you can go to buy and sell fine wine as an example and if you're feeling confident uh, about the prospects of wine or you happen to be an expert in some way it may not be a bad idea to check out uh, asset uh, classes like that as well uh, especially in a world where uh, so much money is flowing into the stock market the issue though in our current environment is that the sheer amount of cash that has been funneled into the economy especially i would say in the us is so vast that all asset prices are going up simultaneously leaving really very few options for investors other than maybe back into the stock market so we are living in a very strange time to be honest it is very very rare that the prices of gold property stocks bonds everything is going up at the same time typically what happens is when stocks go up the price of gold falls when stocks go down people feel like gold is a hedge against uh, against uh, downside in the stock market and so then they start uh, investing in gold and so gold starts going up when stocks go down but right now there is just so much money that everything is going up so this is a difficult time to be a fundamentals driven investor so uh, so honestly i mean uh, it it will take some careful thinking and navigation as we work our way through the covid period and actually a long time beyond as well while all this money that is sloshing around in the market uh, you know eventually settles down into the real economy versus inflating the the prices of different assets okay so i began today's conversation talking about spinners international and you know we've come a long way we we started this company uh, based on just an idea that my kid had he managed to validate that idea in the market we put some seed funding into it the company grew then it was time to have an ipo we realized that the best way to price the company was based on its growth prospects um we figured out that instead of pricing the company so high that the average investor couldn't buy it we should issue enough shares so that it comes to a price that 
that you know you can actually buy so we priced it at $50 it listed in the market the price went up because it was you know the the average investor felt it was uh, undervalued compared to its prospects uh, that valuation could have been done based on price earnings multiple multiple book value multiple or uh, based on dividend yield and so you learned how to use these three fundamental methods of analysis to price a stock we also talked about other factors that influence price on a day to day basis which are things like market sentiment liquidity that is flowing in the market and the potential for investing in things other than stocks and so all of these factors together determine the price of a stock on a you know on a, on a real time basis so i hope this conversation was uh, was enlightening uh, to you uh, this is of course there's a lot more to pricing stocks but i hope that you've managed to understand the the basics of the stock market how it works how you value a share and you are better equipped to make your own decisions about share price valuation in future so to close the loop how much do we think spinners international will eventually be worth based on fundamentals and assuming we keep growing at 20 to 25% annually in 3 years we can expect it to be almost double of where we are today because at 25% a year you would roughly double your your earnings or rather your profits and so therefore uh, you know you should naturally expect to double your share price as well which means it could be a hundred dollars or you know 120 130 and that feels reasonable based on the fundamentals but where will spinners international be priced tomorrow or next week it's anybody's guess i have no way of telling do you all right so that brings us to the end of today's discussion thank you so much for sticking around for a relatively long episode but i hope it was worth it till next time this is amit ray with money talk thanks see you again